Welcome to the One Rental at a Time podcast. If this is your first time, welcome. If you're a repeat listener, welcome back. On this channel, we have simple goals. We want to inspire investors to move forward. We want to create belief that one rental at a time is possible. And we want to help you take positive steps forward. If you want to learn more about your host, Michael Zuber, please go to Amazon and buy his book, self-titled or self-published, One Rental at a Time. I believe there's a link in the description. If you're ready to get started with buy and hold rentals, but unsure what to do, I strongly encourage you to consider buying our online course. It gives you the tools to get started, help you learn your market, allows you to compare deals, and so much more. Lastly, by buying the course, you are granted access to a private Facebook group where I and my students interact daily. Everyone is equal and we just keep helping everyone move forward. It is so much fun to watch. And again, I believe a link is in the description. With that, on with the show. Hey everyone, thanks for watching. Uh, I have a really exciting show for you today. I have someone that I have followed personally for the last several years because he has been giving back uh, in the real estate investing landscape for the last three or four years with a great podcast uh, with him and his wife. Uh, lots of great content there. Uh, please help welcome Clayton Morris to the show. How are you doing this morning, Clayton? Hey, I'm thrilled to be here, Michael. Great to, great to be on your show. You've been on my show a couple of times. So, so great to be on the other side of this for once. Thanks yeah, so much. I, I, look, I look forward to asking you lots of questions because again, I've been following you for a while. And it's always, it's always interesting to interview someone that you've, you've watched probably 50 to 60 hours of content I've watched of yours. So uh, <laughs> this is going to be fun. So, but before Thank we do you. that, let's, yeah. just, let's assume not everybody knows you. So who are you, where you invest, what do you do, that kind of stuff first off. Yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of grew up in the TV business. I spent about 18 years in morning television, uh, moving around the country and, and as a broadcaster. And eventually in the last 10 years, spent my last 10 years at Fox News Channel uh, anchoring their morning show called Fox and Friends. And while I was there, I was buying properties and I was learning real estate investing. I had done some speculative real estate stuff back in like 2005, six, and lost my shirt and did some stupid <laughs> Stuff. And, um, but look, you're, you know, the lesson I think you and I both know is that you're always going to do some stupid stuff. So even, even 10 years removed, you know, you still, you still have partners or contractors that burn you and issues that come up. But so I started doing it and learning from the kind of the ground up. I, um, and I ended up going through a foreclosure at one point from something I had to deal with from 2006 and seven. And, you know, it ruined my credit. It ruined my credit. I wasn't able to even by coffee. I was at Fox and I was down the hall from like, you know, Bill O'Reilly and, and I couldn't even go down to the commissary and actually buy coffee with my debit card because I had a, a judgment that came through because of this foreclosure. Yeah. Um, it was a really dark time. And, but it, I realized like, you know, everything happens for a reason. Right. And as a result of that, I had to get creative with how I first bought my first two rental properties and, and started to go through that process. It wasn't, I couldn't get a loan, you know, I couldn't, I had to come up with a way to do it. And that's, I think how it kind of launched me into this path of financial freedom and trying to educate others around this, around the same thing. So you mean it's not all roses, rainbows and unicorns? No, it's not. And I try to say that on my channel. I mean, look, we, 
you and I both know, we, we've talked about this. I mean, we, like I worked with a, a company and I'll just be totally transparent about it. It really has punched me in the stomach to the point where we've like lost sleep over this. And we worked with a company in our Indianapolis market a few years ago that lied to us. I mean, flat out defrauded us about the work that they had done, um, about the tenants that may or may not have even been in the property. We didn't even know, but they really pulled the wool over our eyes and we really championed them. Like we referred people to them. We believed in them. My, my personal properties, my mom's properties, my father-in-law's properties, all with them. And they were liars. And we got punched in the face as a result of it. You know, Clayton, the guy from Fox, and it, it really hurt. I mean, and when someone questions your intentions, it's really hard. But at the bottom, I hope nothing like that ever happens to any of your audience yeah. on that kind of a level. But you're going to have a bad contractor. Yeah. You're going to have... Um, you know, you're going to have to wait to put in the windows till the spring and you're going to have a tenant who's angry. And because the winter, you know, you're going to have these issues. That's yeah. part of it. Yeah. You got to get in the arena though, to experience financial freedom. It can be yours if you just put in the time and you have some stomach for it. Yeah. Uh, something I've shared on your, your show and I share with others is I firmly believe for whatever reason, real estate investing tests you for 10 years. Now, 10 years is an artificial number, but it's, it's a set of time because the rewards are so good on the other side that I think it has to be hard, right? Right. Uh, you talk about a situation you went through, right? Foreclosures, can't buy coffee, uh, somebody that you champion being a, a crook, and that all hurts. But still, you get up, you, you deal with it, which I'm sure was no fun, and then you, you still have this financial freedom in front of you, which is still you know, very rewarding, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, we did a live stream the other day where we talked a little bit more about it and just said, look, you know, it's, we could go and bury our heads in the sand. We could hide in a corner and cower because these people lied to us. Um, and then we had people yelling at us, you referred me to these people. Yes, but we believed them and yeah. there was no malice in us. We'll take the arrows, but you have to know that we didn't, uh, you know, do it. And we could just, we could literally live off of our financial freedom from our rental properties for the rest of our lives. I could close my business, never do another podcast, never do another video. But look, I left TV a couple of years ago to help people. Right. And I know I've, God gave me a, a, a gift, which is the gift of talking. I don't have any <laughs> other gifts, but I was a broadcaster. And if I can communicate what I've learned to people, if they never work with us in any capacity, ever buy a property from, I don't care. Right. My highlights on my Instagram or my YouTube channel where I see a comment come through from someone that says, because of what I learned here, and I'm sure you get this also, yeah. because of what I've learned here, I went out, bought my first rental property. My wife is about to leave her job and we are on our path to financial freedom. That, no one's going to take that from me. You know, no crook, no bad contractor is going to take that from me from helping other people achieve financial freedom. That's my mission. Yeah, and and um, I want to applaud you because it, it's clear, right? In your in your in your you know again, I've watched I don't know what it was, probably upwards of a hundred hours now, I'm sure, of you wow. over the years, um, and you can still see that same passion and vigor is there to help people, right? You you have a you you do have a gift, right? The gift of gab or talk or presence, whatever you want to call that, and, and you know, it, frankly, it is for you to give back and, and help people. So so thank you for that. Well, thank you. And I, you know, I just had to say when, when we get these barbs because we put ourselves out there publicly, sure yeah, you get them, well, I do. Right? you know, you get them because you're, you're out there, you're putting your face out there. You've gone through this, you've dealt with the stock market, 
how many properties have you done? You're able to teach other people how to do it. And then you get labeled uh, by newspapers or whatever as a real estate guru. Yeah. And it drives me bonkers because we don't ever tell anybody on our show, you need to do it this way. One, this, you know, we always say there's no paint by numbers. You've got to chart your own path. Follow your own course. Understand your own balance sheet and build yeah. your own. Don't, it doesn't matter what Michael does. It doesn't nope. matter what Clayton does. You've got to chart your own path, right? To- totally agree. Uh, and one of the questions I think you pose and you highlight all the time, and I'm going to borrow at least for this episode, is the concept of a freedom number. And I think that's a concept everybody needs to ask themselves because then once you answer that question, you can look at what paths are available to you, right? That way, you know, run run your own path. But I think your question of a freedom number is so critical. Why don't you talk about that concept and what it meant to you and what others take from it? It came to my wife and I in a really dark moment in our lives, to be honest with you. Um, I had two rental properties that I'd purchased. I'd gone through that foreclosure. We lived in New Jersey, an expensive area, expensive county in Essex County outside of Manhattan. I was a news anchor, so I was making good money. But my wife came down to my office one night and she said, we can't pay the mortgage this month. And I said, what do you mean? (laughs) And and I just, you know, I grew up with a lot of fears around money. You know, money doesn't grow on trees. We're not the Rockefellers. So money, fears around money has been a debilitating thing in my life. And so when your wife, who you, you know, we're the men, right? We want to protect our wives, our family. She comes and says, we can't pay our mortgage this month. I said, it was like a lightning bolt. Terrified me. So I had to go through my closet, find like an old camera I had, sell it on Craigslist, just to literally, by the skin of our teeth, be able to pay our mortgage. And I said, never again. My wife, though, had this idea. She said, well, you know, we've got these two rental properties. Is there an opportunity for us to, um, what if we could take those two rental properties that we owned in Michigan, $900 a month in cash flow, and you're always worried about getting your contract renewed with Fox every three years. You know, you're just a salary employee. What if we could get enough rental properties to cover our monthly expenses? And she's like, okay, I'm going to go back to doing laundry. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> and I jumped up like Eureka moment. I said, that's it. And I ran over to my whiteboard. I said, we've got to figure out what our freedom number is. And that's what, where it was born out of. And we, I said, the, and then the reason we didn't know about paying our mortgage that month is because we did not have a handle on our expenses. Yes. So we built our freedom number cheat sheet, which we give away on our website. If you just go to morrisinvest.com slash freedom, um, you can download it. It's three pages, totally free. And what it teaches you to do is get an accounting of your expenses, understand what your monthly expenses are in your family. And then it helps you reverse engineer that number to figure out how many rental properties it would take for you to live financially free. Most people throw out that they want to be a millionaire. No, most people only need like $4,000 a month in cash flow, and then you're financially free. So that was, honestly, it, was, it came from a dark moment. It was our eureka moment, and it was the thing, I think, that changed our lives. Yeah, I think so. I think that realization, um, whether you call it the freedom number, living below your means, it goes by lots of different things. But the whole idea is if you make X and you spend X minus, life's good. If you spend X right. plus, life's not so good. Uh, right, it, right. What comes in goes out, and if you've got to have more coming in than going out. Yeah. And the other thing that you talk about that I champion as well is you can't save your way to retirement. Um, So why don't you talk about what that means to you and and all of that? Yeah. You know, if you listen to a lot of discussion lately about the fire movement, I'm sure you've heard this buzzword, um, fire, financial independence. Um, And 
it's gotten some backlash. I, mean, I you and I have been talking about financial freedom, and I guess just people put a name on it now. Fire the fire movement. It's financial independence that you could live in your 30s and 40s and live financially free and not yep. have to work for somebody else. Yep. Well, there's been some backlash from people like Susie Orman, who you know she's got a lot of great messages, of course, but she blasted the fire movement, saying it's not possible that for, in order for you to retire, you need five million dollars which I just took umbrage with. I did a video on this. I think it's garbage because when you're, the, her, she's coming from a paradigm which is you're going to save your way to wealth. You're going to put money into a retirement account that you're going to save enough of it so that when you retire, you'll have X amount. Well, that's the wrong way to look at it. So she's coming from that perspective, $5 million that you're gonna live off the rest of your life after you retire. It's ridiculous. What if instead we, cultivated monthly passive income from properties that were producing four, five, six, seven thousand dollars a month. You don't need some artificial number in a savings account because when you're saving, you are losing. Every government currency has failed. And so when your money is backed by government currency sitting in a bank account, you are, it's first of all, you're dealing with inflation and what you're putting in that bank account today will probably be worth, um, you know, uh, about 20, 30% less <laughs> down the road because of adjusting for inflation. So if you're saving, you're losing. And I just think that we've been so drilled into our brains, Michael, about how to, how to save. We're up against, you and I are up against huge commercial advertising during Super Bowls with millions of dollars being spent with like fidelity, you know, follow the green line to retirement. Well, why are they spending millions on a Super Bowl that? Because they want your money so they can make all these fees off of your money. That's not the way you build wealth. I totally agree. And it, it's all marketing. It's, 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 you know, the finance industry's Valentine's Day, right? It's, you know, greeting cards created Valentine's Day. The financial market created the 401k. Give me a right. little bit of your money every, every paycheck for 40 years and I promise your life will be better. Well, right. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, a, that's an interesting promise. And, uh, you know, let's see how it works out. Now, now I understand the math. Yes, you put a little bit away for a long time and, you know, the math says the number is going to be big. But what I take, what I take uh, a challenge with is the 40 years. You mm -hmm. don't have to do it for 40 years, right? right? My journey took 15, right? Your journey took, you know, whatever it took. But you, real estate investing provides you the ability, assuming you conservatively finance so one market cycle doesn't take you out. You let your tenants buy your asset. You have inflation in rent and property values. You have all the tax advantages only not only yearly, but 1031 and you know, all that stuff. It doesn't have to take 40 years. I bought no, it doesn't. Years. Yeah, go ahead. No, it doesn't have to take that long at all. And it can take, you know, if you start what you, you preach, obviously one rent rental at a time. And I love your message about just focus on getting four properties <laughs> because for a lot of people, as you and I talked about on the show, four properties that are cash flowing a thousand bucks a month. Yeah. Yes. The net, the net is not $4,000 because you got to take expenses and taxes and things like that. But imagine what would $3,000 a month do for you as a family? Exactly. And that, you know, you don't, and to buy, even if it's just like using leverage, buying a property with 20, 30% down, $70,000 property that you then renovate, you find it off market, you find a great deal, you get it fixed up. Maybe you pull some money out of it a year later in a refinance, you pull out all of the money from that property and then you have an infinite return on that property and then you can snowball it pretty quickly. You don't need to wait 40 years. And by the way, the, the whole 401k argument, let me just go on a tangent for that because that drives me bonkers. The idea is, you know, the argument is, well, it's tax free now, you know, it's tax free and you know, it's tax deferred, it's tax deferred. 
great. I don't know about you, but I want to retire in a higher tax bracket. Yeah, exactly. I want to retire. Right. I want to retire wealthier than I am today. So what you're saying to people is, okay, you're in your thirties now. When you retire, you should hope that you're in a lower tax bracket and, and poorer so that you're not going to get hit with the taxes. And it's such a ridiculous argument. So tax deferred sounds great. If you're going to be poor when you retire, I don't have that intention though. Yeah. And there's just so many things that you, that people don't get in real estate. Like for example, you go back and refi and take a cash out refi against one of your properties. How much taxes do you pay on the, on the cash that you refi out? Right. Zero. Zero. Yeah, exactly. Sounds like a good deal to me. <laughs> right. Because the bank is giving you money for this asset. Now you have none of your own money in the deal. You're able then to go and buy a second property, but people get so caught up in money. And I just really believe that the limit, I, look, I grew up with these limiting beliefs around yes. money. Yeah. Money is a manifestation. And so if you realize that when those people who take care of money and who are smart with it, money flows to you. And if you don't have money right now, that's okay. That's one part of the transaction. Yeah. Other people have money. There was an article, I think in the Wall Street Journal just yesterday about how there is so much money in these real estate funds and the funds don't know where to spend it. There's billions pouring in from investors because there's so much money right now that they just want spent on real estate that the funds themselves are just having a difficult time even finding deals. So they're just like sitting on all this cash. There's so much money out there for people who want to lend to you. So get creative. Go to your uncle who's, you know, would be thrilled to give you a 5% note to get you involved in real estate investing. Talk to the rich person in your town and take them out to lunch and pick their brain about how you can, if I brought you a good deal, what would you be able to do? Would you be able to put a, note, a private note on this for me? Just take action. Get off, your, get off your couch and do it. Absolutely. Another area I want to talk about your business today is uh, you're still in New Jersey. Is that right? Yeah. You, yeah. So you, yeah, you invest in other markets. Uh, what other markets are you in? Yeah. So in fact, I bought, well, actually I bought 10 properties in Southern New Jersey, not too okay. long ago um, okay. as a sort of a, you know, test. Um, I, I'm a big believer in buying, uh, I've done whole videos on the most landlord friendly states. And I'm a big believer in buying in landlord friendly states because look, I want an ease of eviction. If someone's yes. not paying rent, I don't want to have to wait nine months like in California. Yep. Um, you know, in, in, I, I'm sorry, I own the property. You're not paying rent. You're not going to play games with me. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll do it in a kind manner, move you on to another property, but you're not going to sit in my property for nine months. That's just not going to happen. So yep. landlord friendly states I like, um, you, know, you know, Texas, um, Michigan, Indiana. Uh, I have some properties in Florida, Pennsylvania, North Carolina. Uh, where else? Um, I think that's about it. Yeah. Oh, oh I have owned some in Ohio as well. So um, you know, these areas, not all of them are super landlord friendly, but lower taxes, blue collar, hardworking neighborhoods with established businesses and American based jobs is what I like to go after. Um, what does that mean? Well, that means historically looking at sort of recession proof. I don't, not, nothing is recession proof, but when I look at, for instance, Detroit, there are three parts of Detroit. There are the areas that were like the bombed out homes it would never buy. There are the A-class neighborhoods. And then there were the hardworking blue collar brick lined streets, 900 square feet homes, which were mostly unaffected by the recession. They still worked at the local hospital. They still worked at the local school. They still worked at the FedEx distribution center. It was the A-class neighborhoods that got hit the hardest. Absolutely. And the bombed out neighborhoods. So that's what I like. I like those established older neighborhoods, 50, 60, $70,000 properties. That's the bread and butter of everything I buy still to this day. 
So um, given you're in New Jersey and you have, let's just call it six or seven other locations, what do you really consider your job to be? Is it managing the managers? Is it finding deals? Is it securing capital? Where's your unique secret sauce in managing such a spread out portfolio? My wife. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest with you, I, I think it's so important to have a strong partnership. My wife is the spreadsheet person and you know, it really is important. I, I, I'm a big believer in property management companies. You've got to have strong property management companies. Um, now, we've dealt with some stinkers. I talked about the one that we worked with in Indianapolis, which was, you know, I don't know what they were doing. But we worked with some in our Michigan market. We had one in our Michigan market that was, there was a $200 threshold for them to do a maintenance item on the house. Yeah. And there was like a lot of like $199 charges popping up, you know, and it was like, uh, why? This house was just renovated. Why are you doing this on the heat? It didn't make any sense. And so we fired them, you know, and yeah. um, we had a lot of clients that were with them as well. We tried to move them away from there as well. So, um, but then you find great property managers who've been there. So here are a couple of questions I like to ask property managers if you're yep. searching for them. You know, how long have you been here? If they're new, you're fly by night. I don't want you. I'm sorry. Uh, maybe you're, you're going to be good in a few years, but I need some seasoned on the ground, understand rent rates in these neighborhoods, understand where value is, how you can add value on a tenant turnover. Can I increase the rent? They're going to know those little things. We're going to increase the rent $50, $100 um, on this tenant turnover. Um, they're going to they're gonna understand city inspections, city bylaws. You know, you can't, you got to fix the sidewalk here. So I try to, you know, how long have you been there? And then what types of communication do you have? I, I like to really be, have good communication with our property managers with a quick turnaround time. So 24 hours should be sufficient to get an answer on something. You know, hey, did this person plan on staying with us next month and yeah. signing a lease up again, you know? Um, and so you've got, but you've got to nurture your portfolio. So it's great to have great property managers, but I think where we try to spend like a monthly meeting where we sit down, my wife and I, and we kind of go through and you really want to nurture your portfolio. No one is going to care more about your properties than you will. So you've got to ask those tough questions. Call the property manager. Why do we keep getting this bill on this thing? I thought this was paid for. Because they'll just keep charging you until you call and tell them yeah, uh, we already paid it. Yeah. So you've got to, you know, that's where we put the bulk, I think, of our attention to answer your question is in, um, is in just kind of managing that, making sure properties are cash flowing, that the property managers get answers to questions they send hey, this heating needs fixing. Do you authorize that? Yes, because I want the tenant to be happy. So there's a lot of that give and take. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's, um, you, need to, you need to, you know, manage your own portfolio. I mean, I think you did a video, it may have been 90 days ago or so that talked about basically looked yourself in the mirror and you made a mistake, right? I think it was 3,000 bucks a month you were losing because you didn't you took a little time off your portfolio, right? And 10,000 bucks a month. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We did a whole video on, oh no, we lost 10,000 bucks a month. And the reason is we were dealing with, I mean, this is no excuse, but we were dealing with this like fraudulent company in, uh, in Indianapolis that, that really hurt us. And so we had a lot of things going on because of that in the fall. And we just kind of took our eye off these, this package of 10 properties that I had purchased in New Jersey. And they were just kind of languishing. You know, we had some tenants that weren't paying on time and we just would kind of let them get caught up and we had some renovations that needed to be done. And I said, that's it. Grabbing this bull by the horns. Yeah. I'm not going to bleed another $10,000 a month on cash flow. This is ridiculous. And then I've been documenting it in a video series on some behind the scenes of a renovation series right now. And uh, yeah, and now these two of them are already rented. 
one of them with a section eight tenant. She's in a wheelchair. So we built a nice cement ramp for her on the front of the house. Yep. Um, hopefully she'll stay for many years. So that house is totally revitalized now. Brand new siding, kitchen floors, everything done windows for her. Um, and you got, you, you got to do that. No one's going to do that for you. Yeah. And are you, you're just a single family home guy? Is that what you look for? I own some multis as well. I have a, let's see, I have a couple duplexes. I have a six units, um, but that's about as big as it gets for me. I'm, I think it's really important that people stay in their, stay on their, their, their path. Yeah. Um, stay in their lane. What's gotten, yeah. Stay in your lane. It's like that, uh, that commercial, that tattoo guy, like, stay yeah. in your lane, bro. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes. Yeah, stay in your lane, bro. Yeah. I like that. I hear, and I, you probably hear this from a lot of uh, students and people who get in is that they'll, they'll buy like one or two single families and it's working for them. Yep. And then they swerve. Oof. You know, they, yes. they go in a different direction. I hear mobile home park investing, or they get on some internet forum somewhere that, you know, if you want to talk yourself out of anything, use the internet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, spend some time on some internet forums. That'll teach you to not become a real estate investor. Yeah. Instead, follow one course of action to success. Uh, I don't know if I ever told you the story. I was on a flight to New Zealand one time and I was, before I got started in real estate investing and I was flying there for five days, it's all I had. My wife said, just go for five days, visiting a friend who's an amazing photographer there to spend some shoot photos all around the island. And I was on a flight with this older couple in their mid fifties, we're on descent. So I didn't, I wish I would have talked to them earlier. And they said, how long are you gonna be in New Zealand? I said, five days. And I said, what about you guys? And they said, oh, we're gonna be there for two months. And I said, what do you do that you could be in New Zealand for two months, you're not retired? And he said, oh, I'm a real estate investor. And he then proceeded to explain where he invests. His formula is exactly what I followed. He told me the neighborhoods, where in Michigan, Midwest, you know, towns, exact. So what I just told you earlier about brick tree line streets, I bought in the same neighborhoods as him. Nice. I was witnessing his success in, it, in the flesh. He's like, this is my partner and I, we buy them, we renovate them. We don't spend a lot. We don't fall in love with real estate. We cash flow and I'm able to be in New Zealand and my tenants are paying my rent while I'm here. I was like, ding, 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 that's it. <laughs> Check, please. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not buying 100 unit apartment complexes. I'm following his course and it worked for me and that's what I've stuck with. Yeah. And again, there's just nuggets you keep giving us. Yeah. Once you find something that works and you, again, right, especially if you follow my model, right? Working full time, you want to do it on the side. One, one rental at a time, one house at a time is a fine model. You don't have to be in a rush, right? One, right. two, three a year, right? You, you build for the long term. So, um, you know, that's okay. And again, you don't have, there's nothing, I mean, I get the story why apartments are sexy. I mean, I get it. But I can right. tell you right now, in my opinion, most apartment buildings are getting bid up. And I'm closer to selling apartments than buying apartments. Right? Oh, and I've heard that repeatedly. Uh, a lot of the big multifamily investors I know, a friend, Ken McElroy, who wrote the ABCs of Real Estate Investing, Rich Dad Advisor, you know, he's been on my show and he's talked about it. He said, look, I'm not buying anything right now. In fact, I'm selling stuff because they're just getting way up, up bid on trying to buy these apartment complexes and they're just being, the value is not there. And then you're trying to do a value add to these properties when they've already been done. You can't, you can only add so many parks yeah. to your property and, and new furnaces and that's it. You know, there's not yeah. much more value add you can do on a, on a multi. So yeah, it's, that'll, that'll, it'll shift. We go in cycles, but oh, I'm, yeah. a, I've been a big fan of single families. To me, there's something great about coming home at the end of the day for a tenant. They have their own driveway their own house. They're not sharing a wall with anyone and they can have a glass of wine after and they have their own backyard yep. and it's theirs and they kind of take ownership of it. There's less transients. Yeah. I mean, the average tenure of a, a house tenant for me is uh, almost seven years and an apartment wow. is, you know, just over two. 
So, wow. um, you know, if I had my druthers, I'd be buying houses all the time. Yeah. Because they're easier to trade, right? If you want to sell in a hot market, you have both investors and owner occupants. They're easiest to finance. There's just, you know, as a full-time employee, they're just the easier ones to manage and you have less turnover. And that's where that, if you're a landlord, that's the game, right? How do you manage less turnover? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I, I love single families because it's just fewer moving parts, less vacancy, and just I don't know, more consistent cash flow. You know, we spend a lot of money on tenant turnovers. So if I know that I can go five, seven years without doing a tenant turnover, that's gold for me. Yeah, exactly. So I am curious. We've talked a little bit about your kind of origin story and how you started. Um, you know, what, what was that thing that said, I'm going to go buy those first two rentals in, in Michigan? Do you remember what that was? Well, it really was that flight to New Zealand and, okay. and hearing when this gentleman said to me that he buys in this neck of the woods outside of Detroit and these areas and these are the types of properties. And I literally landed and my wife was like, how was the flight? You know, 16 hour. How, how was it? And I was like, I, she, I, I didn't want to talk about New Zealand. I was like, <laughs> I just had a life changing moment. When I get back, I am going to, you know, figure Michigan out. I'm going to do something. I'm going to buy properties. Yeah. And she said, okay, all right. Um, <laughs> you're, you're a little sleep deprived. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just kind of dug into it and I found at the time, it was funny. I found like a distressed property uh, realtor, which I don't even know that they existed. I just literally found a guy through a real estate meetup group or something. I don't know. And, and uh, talked to him. He was a really great guy. And and that was back when you could find short sales and foreclosures because yeah. that all stuff dried up. But I found a foreclosure. No, yeah, I found a short sale and then just one that was not a short sale. And of course, it took two months to close the one that was a short sale because they take forever. And then I closed the other one more quickly. And I, a friend of mine who uh, worked for Ford, his brother was a great contractor. I hired him uh, to do it. And I over upgraded. I shouldn't have I put a little bit extra into it that I probably shouldn't have. And that's, you know, yeah. you'll learn your lessons. And, um, but it's been, I have five year tenants in there, five year leases, and it's been great ever since. So those were my first, those were my first two. And I just kind of repeated that cycle. And I moved to Indiana and Pennsylvania and did some other areas after that. Very cool. And then how long did it take you to get to the financial, your financial freedom number once you kind of made that decision? Honestly, I think it was about three years. That's awesome. what it took. It took, you know, and I, I had that number when I did my financial freedom number, I had it plastered everywhere. I put, I think it was 12 was our number. And at the time we only had one child. So that number shifts, you know, <laughs> yeah. more children, you got to shift that number. And that's why it's good to kind of do it on a, you know, look at your expenses once yes. a year, sit down and go through them. And where are we spending all this money? And you also discover like, wow, I'm paying twice for Netflix. Like, yeah. why is that? You know, you'll discover these things. Why am I paying this ridiculous software bill that I haven't used in three years and it's charging me 300 bucks a month and, exactly. you know, all of these things. So it's really good to get a handle on that, but that number fluctuates. So I think my number was 12. I lived in, you know, expensive New Jersey. For a lot yeah. of people, it might be way less than that. And, sure. uh, you know, the, you know, just I zeroed in on that number to go after that number. That's awesome. So, um, you get there, you, you decide to give back in a huge way, very successfully. I'm curious, where, where are you taking this thing? What, what is, what is your next 40 years look like? Do you have any idea? You know, we've really, because of some of the difficulties we've had in dealing with, you know, contractors that lied to us and so forth, we've kind of, we've really, I don't want to say shifted a lot, but we've really wanted to put more of our focus into simplicity and okay. just kind of keeping things a little bit more simple in our lives. Uh, we have, we've got some great partners uh, with Morris Invest that we do a lot of uh, you know, rehabilitations and they do a great job. 
So we're going to focus on that. But more importantly, we're going to focus on the education part yeah. and helping people. So we've really expanded sort of the media side of our company. We launched our Financial Freedom Academy um, to help people, um, which is not really a real estate course. It's more of a helping people understand their balance sheet, getting their finances in order, uh, overcoming their limiting beliefs. And we have a great like private, uh, private Facebook group as well uh, with the Financial Freedom Academy where we, you know, people are just amazing and their stories. Some people in there have 10 properties. Some people are working towards their first property and it's a great community that we've, uh, we've brought together. So our focus, and I really think that's the best of us, like that group and educating people through our YouTube channel, Morris Invest YouTube channel and our podcast. Like that's the best of us. If I can give back in that way where someone takes action and changes their life for the better, then that's my mission. And I, I hope, I hope we can do that. Very cool. Well, how can people follow you? I mean, you're, you're everywhere seemingly, but what's, what are the best ways to follow uh, Clayton Morse? In, in- well, if you love podcasts, you love videos and just hop on over to our YouTube channel. If you want to check it out, it's just Morris. My last name, Morris. Morris Invest is our YouTube channel. We've got a lot of content over there. And also if you're into the audio version, we publish different kind of content on our, uh, if you want to listen on Apple podcasts or Google play store where it's called the, in- it's a very boring name. It's the investing in real estate podcast. <laughs> So um, you can check us out there and uh, we'd love to have you come over and say hi and say that uh, Michael sent you over. There you go. And where could they find out more about the Financial Freedom Academy? Yeah, we made it simple. We bought the URL. So it's <laughs> financialfreedomacademy.com. It costs us a lot of money, but we're like, okay, that's easiest. So financialfreedomacademy.com is the website. You can go there and check it out, see if it's something you're interested in. We'd love to welcome you into our private Facebook group as well. And we do a live stream just to that group um, uh, bi-weekly, Natalie and I do, to help people with any questions they're having on their financial freedom journey. Thank you, Clayton. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, always fun talking with you. It's always fun hearing stories. Uh, I like the fact that, you know, it's not all roses, unicorns, and rainbows, right? Uh, this, there's some right. glass sometimes in this business. But when you stay in it, you're committed, you do the right things. Um, you know, there, there is, uh, there is a, a better place and. and your, your pitch on the freedom number is just awesome. And, and the way you give back is so helpful. So thank you for all you do. And thank you for giving us your time today. Oh, much love to you, Michael. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You got it, man. Take care of yourself.